the continuing saga of agitation. <laughs> Start stealing everybody's intros. Just becomes a fan fiction of the perfume nationalists. <laughs> fan fan fiction about. is what sells. So maybe if we take the same That's approach true. to podcasts, people go too high. They're like, you know uh-huh. how Joe Rogan does, and then there's people who are like trying to be come town. It's like, now I'm just gonna rip off my peers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, why not? It's a it's a lush and fertile ground from which to pull uh, sustenance. Today we are pairing Polo Blue with Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl. <laughs> this is a very fashion oriented movie. It is. There's a there's a well, so it's a 1998 film, and uh, it's directed by Katsuhito Ishii, who we talked about in uh, the Red Line episode. He's like kind of the co-director of Redline. Not credited, but he basically directed. Basically did that. Also, shit. yeah, his it ain't it ain't even in his filmography on Wikipedia. Thought that was fucked up. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit fucked up. But uh, Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl was his first movie. Nineteen ninety-eight came out February 6, nineteen ninety-nine in America. It's got the God Tadanobu Asano. I, th- you know what's cool about like some movie stars, right? Is that they just they have the face for movies, so you think about somebody like uh, you know Brad Pitt or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, there's no way that he would have just been normal in life. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you look too handsome, too much like a movie star. He was the guy. That's how uh, I feel about Asano. He was the guy adjusting. Light. I think Pitt was a lighting guy, and then mm-hmm. I just imagined him being on set. They were like. Uh, Aren't you the main character? What are you doing up there? That's what happened with Harrison Ford, too, with Star Wars. He was the carpenter. He was the on-set carpenter. And they were just like, uh, yeah, man, you're going in this movie. And he was just like, and Harrison Ford, the god, the goat, my surrogate father, uh, he's like, so he's so fucking cool because he's just always hated Hollywood and movies. <laughs> because he never he never asked for it like he didn't he never tried they were just like you want to be in a movie he's like fuck all right i guess he's like i guess I'll but be that's in a how i feel movie. about uh <laughs> yeah that's how i feel about asano i i find it hard to picture asano in a in an office somewhere with that like creepy cat like face of his people would just be like dude why aren't you in movies he does look like a cat that's why mm-hmm. that's why kakihara is so um his portrayal of kakihara is so iconic is because he looks evil and creepy at the same time he's kind of hot exactly exactly and that's how he is in this movie too i was noting the similarities because this is kind of a this feels like a proto kakihara in shark skin man and peach hip girl they've got a lot of the same mannerisms a lot of the same ways of like walking and kind of seeming dangerous while at the same time weighing 90 pounds soaking wet and you know not being physically intimidating at all but just like like you don't know i don't what know man do. there's like <laughs> exactly yeah you don't know what they're what they'll do right and so um this movie i thought was uh was pretty interesting i got the asian wiki up so shout out to asian wiki apparently uh there so there's basically every everybody in this in this movie wears takeo kiwichi designer wear because like i said it's a very fashion oriented movie yeah it's basically basically, like a fashion ad 
Yeah, yeah. There's even there's even a dress up part. There's even like a makeover scene in the middle of this crime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, guy steals a bunch of money from the yakuza. They go after him. There's a big cast of yakuza, colorful yakuza characters. Asano is uh, Samehara, who's the guy who steals the money, <clears throat> rescues a girl from her uh, kind of molester uncle. They work at a hotel together, and he's like, "Hey, you wanna like?" She, what I like about this movie too is that this is one of the first movies I've seen that uh, really, in this scenario, portrays just like raw female lust, because like he kind of checks her out and he's like, "Whatever," but like she sees him and she like can't breathe. She's like, "Oh." Jesus Christ, he's so he's so fucking hot. Yeah, I got. Yeah. I just I gotta follow this guy anywhere. Um, but it's basically a fashion. Ad, and what's really funny, so this movie came out 25 years ago now, and so I looked up. Uh, I looked up Takeo Kiyuchi, and my man is just like selling $200 plain ass polos now. Like I went to the site expecting some crazy Japanese streetwear fashion shit, and. He has just, as is the way, as you get older, you're like, I'm just going to make a very functional beige polo. Man, lame. That's yeah. like, I, I yeah. saw um, Supreme teamed up with North Face for a, uh, for a collabo line. And it's like, uh, it's like puffy North Face jackets, but they look like they're covered in plastic and all shiny and glossy and shit. And uh, mm-hmm. purple and loud yellows and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, it looks kind of stupid, plasticky, but at the same time, at least y'all being loud, like, right. all the beige and tans and shit, that's like, that was, that was the era I kept silent on Kanye, you know, being, mm-hmm. being a notorious, mm-hmm. constant Kanye defender, it was like, during all the Yoda, Dune fashion wear, I was like, no, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, I didn't fuck with that either. I'm thinking about in my 40s becoming a hype beast. Just like getting into sneakers. We got David Simmons. He can tell me what the good sneakers are. Uh, watching movies like this made me want to get into clothes. Yeah. So like, you know what? It actually looks kind of fun to dress nice. I'm not dressed nice right now. I got t-shirt and jeans on. Need a pair but... of like white pants with a dragon down one leg. Yo, for real, I was looking up these, uh, they're called, uh, Suka, Suka something, Suka, Suka Jiri jackets. They're basically like Letterman jackets with crazy designs on the back, like koi fish and ty- yeah, kind of like yeah. proto Ed Hardy type I'd, shit, you know? Yeah. Big in the, uh, the sort of cyberpunk thing too, mm-hmm. with the, mm-hmm. like the game cyberpunk, all the insignia jackets. Yeah. But I was looking around Etsy and I was finding some shit like, I was like, damn, this is kind of cold. I'm not sure if I could, see, that's the thing though. I'm not sure I could, I could rock it, but I think it has, like once I get my posture fixed, I think you can wear whatever you want if you have good posture. I'm one of those people. But I, think if you, I used to try on everything, yeah. the like gayest shit that would come out when I worked in a inventory in Hastings. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. yeah. I'd just be trying on stupid shit like rainbow hats and like heart shaped sunglasses. And my manager would be like, I fucking hate you. You look good. Yeah. Yeah. Exa- I mean, it's like my brother has a really good sense of fashion. I don't know how he turned out as clean cut as he did. And I just got none of it. But he he understands how 
you know, like how jeans are supposed to fit. <clears throat> he, he just always looks good. He actually, I'm wearing a shirt that he gave me, like one of his old shirts right now. And it's something like, I mean, when he wore it, it looked good. When I wear it, <laughs> I look semi-homeless. So it's just, I don't know, it's like just projecting the, the confidence. In that makeover scene, when uh, Asano and his girlfriend are, go to like get new outfits, I guess, for some reason, it's not really explained, uh, he does like a fashion show, and he tries shit on. It's my favorite scene. Like he tries one on, he comes out, he's got like this blue joint on with like big white uh, bunny tail shit all over it. Yeah, it's like, like, like an like, ugly sweater thing. <laughs> yeah, like an ugly sweater. And they're like, no. And then he comes out and he's just like wearing this sheer, like it's like a suit, but a, like a clear Patrick Bateman, American Psycho rain slicker kind of thing. And uh, it's got like a, a little tie drawn on it. And they're like, no. And then he comes out like just wearing a sharp, a sharp looking shark skin suit. And they're like, that's the one. And he goes, he's like, I liked the last one the best. Yeah, he's, I liked I liked the uh, American Psycho see-through shit better, but uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta uh, we're gonna be doing some defense of this movie because um, people hate this movie. I was do they? Yeah, I was looking into the reception and shit, and the general consensus is that these characters deserved a better movie. Was like hmm. the main. Uh, opinion uh, of everybody okay and okay. I I really couldn't disagree more you've got a Guy Ritchie plot with like Saijun Suzuki style direction which I thought was of just being chaos and play and like right the the cuts the way that they cut is frequently just like you're looking at a still frame uh, of a wide shot of a couple characters doing something and then it cuts to where those same you're looking at the same setup but those characters are all of a sudden on their back or something and then it's like cut and they're like in a different position talking so it's like these there's no smooth transitions to the whole movie it's just like cut right here we're gonna jump ahead a little bit mm-hmm. 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 and the whole vibe yeah. of it is just that like Saijun Suzuki style pretend like you know grown up mm-hmm. make believe you imagine a child wrote it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and I think that what people are probably hitting on and what they don't like because people are people just like the same old shit they probably would have wanted more uh, of the quote unquote main characters because in this movie it just takes a bunch of detours and we sort of follow people usually for like one scene each so at the beginning we have a this great shot of four yakuza in a car and they're talking about like when they were little kids and their parents their dads all got sent to jail and how when their dads got sent to jail that affected their lives because their peers stopped fucking with them and their peers parents wouldn't let them come over to play and one guy says, yeah, he's like, I thought that when you got to a certain age, a, a dragon tattoo just, like, formed on your back. And uh, and then those characters really aren't, like, you don't spend any more time with them. You cut to another scene of a, a guy who seems, like, scared of his boss. 
and his boss is obsessed with these 1930s enamel posters like with ads for like orange juice and shit he's talking about how much he loves the the enamel and how it's important and then he goes like are you you know you don't think it's funny do you you think it's cool and the guy's like oh yeah 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 Yeah, it's really cool cool. super cool cool. yeah and then that guy gets shot in the head like five minutes later and the boss who's like this uh creepy dude who wears all this leather and has knives like a bandolier of knives across his chest you don't get much more out of him in terms of I guess what you would call character development. And then there's an assassin who's like this creep, this guy Yamada, who's just like this creepy little dude with a unibrow. And I think, actually, I think in terms of sheer runtime, I think we spend the most time with him. Like, I think he's the most in the movie guy. I think so. I think so. I even, uh, he should get his flowers too. Uh, what was that? Tatsuya Gashun. Mm hmm. He, uh, nobody really knows who he is. He's one of those red names on Wikipedia. But it's like, he's one of those people who's like, he's got to be in, in a bunch of shit, right? He's got that unibrow, and he's like this uh, Buster Keaton kind of presence. He's very animated with his body movements. He was one of the most captivating people in the movie, I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, he'll say things to people like, I hate you got this weird voice like me i hate you but he's he's an assassin sent by molester uncle to bring the girl back and kill asano's character and there's a great scene in a public bathroom (laughs) where he follows asano in and he's like what he's you know he's waiting for it to clear out yeah we make an appearance there (laughs) yeah the the agitator boys yeah the agitator boys are at the (laughs) urinal and they hear some groaning going on behind the uh, behind one of the stalls. <laughs> one goes, yeah. "What's that?" And the other one goes, "I don't know, some retard." Yeah. <laughs> so he basically this is what this is my favorite scene in the whole movie actually. When he tries to shoot through the stall to kill Asano, and it doesn't work. The metal, the steel stall, like it stops the bullets from going anywhere. So Asano opens the door, like drags him into the bathroom, takes his gun. And then they just like, they just kind of look at each other, and Asano says, "You might want to pick a different line of work." And then the guy Unibrow Yamada is looking at him. And he's like, "I like you." And then they both just start laughing, and he repeats like, "I like you" over and over again. And then that's it. From then on, he likes him. Yeah. And he's like, "I can't do this job anymore. I like him too." Like this movie, this movie really has the hots for Asano, and it's like, yeah. You meet somebody, doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, whatever. You're like, I'm not killing that guy. He's too cool. Look at him. He's too fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so... Uh, the way that it just feels lighthearted and um, in love with what's on screen, whether it's like the high fashion, the crazy characters, the, the lead, you know the lead guy Mm -hmm. it's it makes the the little moments of like extreme violent i mean not too extreme but like whenever it gets gritty you're like holy shit (laughs) yeah i forgot this wasn't a children's movie (laughs) right no i get what you mean that character who's got the platinum blonde hair and the the white bomber jacket with the nascar stickers all over it uh 
he goes there's a scene where he's like this is bullet this thing is bulletproof this jacket's bulletproof so i can't get it shot or it'll ruin the, the like the the steel or whatever it's made out of and then he just gets like it's not true he just gets shot <laughs> uh <laughs> and there's a th- there's a bit at the beginning where there's a heist and you know it's 1998 so a dude goes in there with a ski mask and sunglasses cuts the phone lines and then he's got a tape recorder and he keeps playing uh he keeps pressing play and it goes money please money please money please but in japanese and i'm like bro if that's not the intro to like a struggle rap hustle mixtape like it, that's gotta go somewhere yeah right? yeah and just keep it in japanese whatever but like that'd be the perfect yeah. set. oh fuck yeah. yeah i gotta make yeah money please. gotta make this beat we gotta money start making please. agitated like, beats agitator beats and then the strings come in like money please money please you you are you you see the vision yep you see yep. you see what i'm talking Damn. about we bring in we bring in trap back <laughs> not with these we, we're old heads now so we're like, not what these young people are into all this percocet zanny no the good shit like uh like like common <laughs> what y'all know about Project Pat dude the people uh, this was already cringe back when I was really into hip hop in the 2010, early 2010s but the people who were just like I just I, I like the conscious shit I don't like this other this other stuff it's like oh you like the conscious rap look at you look at Mr. Conscious <laughs> wow I wish I could have a conscience I'm listening to Dirty Sprite 2 on repeat, so... Yeah, yeah. I was always so confused back in the day. Now it's become such a thing since hip-hop became the biggest, like, the most mainstream genre of music. But back in mm-hmm. the day when people would say shit like that, like, I'm into, you know, Common, or... Who was who the other, like, early... Most Def. Mo- okay, yeah, Most Def. I would, I would listen to that shit and be so confused. Just like, I, yeah. I don't understand what you're listening no. to Jurassic 5 Jurassic 5 had some bangers though there's some good shit in there it's just like whenever it was like the problem with conscious rap is that art in general gets boring when it gets preachy in my opinion yeah. although my roommate Jimmy uh, who's like a bearded white dude he loved conscious rap so and he, but he wasn't he wasn't con- he would say the most wild shit but he just liked that kind of I don't know wordplay or yeah some people are really obsessed with the wordplay and you would mm-hmm. think being a right actually people always assume like they'll throw out album suggestions to me i'm assuming thinking because i write and stuff they're like you're gonna fuck with this mm-hmm. like you heard the new whoever um aesop rock is such an easy example but i actually love aesop rock yeah. so it's Attitude, like, it doesn't really yeah. work but something like that and i'm like no i don't i don't fuck with that shit brother ali or something i could yeah i could care less about lyrics actually i don't care (laughs) i want to listen about kicking in doors and getting money yeah that is a funny that's a funny thing that people can't seem to get past is that art doesn't have to be a display of talent that's the that's the thing that that trips a lot of people up. It's the same the people who like the conscious rap and the wordplay and shit. 
it's of the same ilk of people who would, you know, not like Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl because it, it doesn't follow the main characters on a three-act structure. Well, it has a three-act structure. It's just janky. Yeah. You don't get they any don't, of the they don't like the shit that's organic human edges to it. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I love the uninhibited shit where it just... It just feels like they didn't second-guess anything, and they just went in and did whatever they fucking wanted to. Yeah. And there was no, like, we got to make sure this is perfectly right. Because when, when people are impressed by the wordplay and rap, or when they're impressed by the perfect blocking and camera angles and movies or whatever, I'm like, you know you can study this shit and just copy it. How is that impressive? You can just read a dictionary and write your own Aesop Rock song. You can just, like, mm-hmm. watch a few... I mean, it's a thing, right? People talk about the a 24 of movies. It's like, yeah, so you just look at a movie and you understand that this has the same aesthetic as all these other movies. So you can just, like, repeat what you see. So I don't really understand yeah. how that's impressive. What's impressive, or even if, I mean, who cares about being impressive? But what's interesting is when you, is the janky shit that's just like, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking with this, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. I'm I'm confirming your assertion that people didn't like this shit. Yeah, it's got bad Rotten Tomatoes, bad IMDb. But if you go to Asian Wiki, where I'm getting my info, it's got a 96 out of 100 with 101 votes. So there so, you go. There's something. Yeah, I yeah. figured there was something lost in translation there too. I even saw one review where they were like, the uh, the title doesn't make any sense. And I was like, well. For one, who fucking cares? But two, yeah. how? How does the title not make sense? Like, actually, right. I thought that was the deepest part. That was like a little intellectual wink. Uh, I mean, not not super deep, but just being like, shark skin man. It's like, okay, you know how shark skin is. It's a, uh, you, rub, you rub it one way and it's smooth like rubber, but you rub it another way and it's rough like sandpaper. And that's, like, mm-hmm. his character. He's, like... Plus, he wears the shark skin suit at a certain point. He's, like, mm-hmm. this dangerous, crazy, you know, Yakuza guy who will steal from the Yakuza and, like, take on the whole gang. Like, just rip off a whole gang of Yakuza. And at the same time, mm-hmm. he's, like, this smirking, like, hey, what's up, girl? Like, kind of dude. Mm-hmm. And then... And then Peach Hip... I mean, we, we know what Peach Hip means. You get it. Yeah, it. sexy. Yeah, peach. Yeah, it's not hard to. It's it's impressionistic. That's the word for it. I uh, my, one of my favorite bits is when he's on the walkie-talkie to the yakuza and they're chasing after him and they're like, "Where's the money? Bring it back!" And he's like, "Why are you guys fucking? Why are you guys tripping right now? It's, like, it's only a hundred million yen. Just like, just let it go." <laughs> <laughs> One of the he likes to he likes to yell go now because he likes to watch the monster trucks go go yeah he he's <clears throat> working on uh, claiming his spot as the hype man yeah yeah because <laughs> Rowan goes to daycare when we record now so we gotta they they psychically tagged in 
Rowan was like sending out thought bubbles. All right, Gus, listen. We, we got to keep fucking this show up. Yeah. We, we can't. <laughs> they telepathically dabbed each other up. Like, all right, all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, tag in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I love this movie. I thought it was uh, really good. I liked the. I liked the again. I keep using the word impressionistic, but that's just the word that I that comes to mind. The ending in the in the dark woods, with the Mexican standoff and all that kind of shit. I just I thought it was good. It never felt like uh, I don't know. It never felt forced. Nothing felt forced in the movie. Mm-mm. Everything was just kind of like yeah, we'll we'll put the camera. I mean, there's obvious inspiration. He's clearly you know sort of mimicking Tarantino. The 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 movies that were so hot at that moment, yeah, right? The Guy Ritchie, the, that kind the of the Guy Ritchie style plot with the eclectic mix of characters that it bounces between. The like no real main character, um, scene by scene style, and then the Tarantino full of non sequiturs, conversations that just exist yeah. for the sake of being there. Uh, right. And then the uh, what's up? What's wrong, Bubba boys? You hungry? Sorry, the, keep going the way that, that it shot, I don't watch a lot of French shit, but the way that it mm-hmm. shot made, like, I just had the idea that it, probably some kind of French expressionistic, like, neo-modernist wave type of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I could see that. It feels to me like, it just, yeah, am, I, am I not paying enough attention to you? You've had enough? Okay. Well... I'll pay attention to you and podcasts. How does that sound? Uh, it feels to me like with Tarantino, his, you know, his sort of digressions and shit, they always felt like they had a had a point. Like he was trying to, I don't know, trying to do something with them. There's the Royale with cheese thing, but then that comes back later. You know what I mean? Like there's always like a punchline that comes back with those conversations uh well, maybe not always. I'm, there's but for the most part, and it, and it feels like, because Tarantino does understand drama, and that's why a lot mm-hmm. of his, especially his earlier, well, like in Glorious Bastards, Reservoir Dogs, uh, they feel like plays, because yeah. he understands drama, and he understands theme, and like the carrying of mm-hmm. motifs and stuff. So everything, even the like random shit, feels purposeful right right whereas and this feels like an like an assemblage of koans yeah right? yeah which i like like i'm all for just just display ideas mm-hmm. like i don't uh mm-hmm. i don't see anything wrong with that i don't i don't think you have to contain everything within a framework of within a you know accepted structure just that's where pastiche is actually interesting i think is when you don't stick to it hardcore because if you just copy you know the which is kind of what tarantino does he has his own understanding of he does pastiche like that's all every single tarantino movie is pastiche but if you go and watch the movies that he's kind of like pay an homage to they don't feel like Tarantino movies so you can't just lift Mm -hmm. wholesale the thing that you're nodding at which is what like 
shark skin man seems like is doing is like sort of nodding at things but taking it in a different direction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it says on the on the wiki that everybody in the cast had a really good time which is something that you don't hear a lot in the movies that we've covered especially if it's a Sukumoto feature <laughs> uh like usually people go crazy and kill each other and shit like that um Ish- ishii's hands-on directing style seems to almost supersede the notion of an autonomous art director in this film he personally chose the colors designs and fabric for each costume and topped off the ensemble by matching cars and guns to specific characters giving a new meaning to fashion accessories the cast had a terrific time shooting the film all the characters are so bizarre everyone enjoyed themselves immensely the set had an atmosphere of fun said asano however it appears nobody enjoyed themselves more than the director himself a journalist visiting the set noted that during the more comic scenes ishii was always first to laugh out loud i love offbeat stuff he confesses i'm hoping shark skin man and peach hip girl will create a new appreciation for the unusual with japanese audiences so how does ishii envision the experience Screening the movie should almost be like reading a violent and funny manga. Who does that sound like? But whatever the audience reaction turns out to be, I hope everyone has a great ride. So there's like that sense of fun. You feel it in the movie. And you just, you're just you just watching people have a good time. And when something's over, it's over. There's not this sense that, okay, so now how do we connect it back? In a way, it really is. I think you were right to point out the Suzuki thing because... While it's not as difficult to understand as Branded to Kill, there is the same idea of every scene being, well, if not disconnected, then irrelevant whether or not it's connected. Yeah. It's just vibes, you know? Yeah, there were a couple moments in there where I, like, uh, I skipped back a few seconds and was like, did I, I I missed something? I blinked. And then it's like, no. They just, no. they just don't really care. You're just on to the next thing. No. I'm like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like, I'm like you. I dig that shit. I've been thinking a lot lately about uh, writing, you know, bestsellers and <clears throat> kind of, you know, reading books about what audience is like. And every book that I've read confirms this kind of shit that we already know, where people like to be hooked from the beginning they like to identify with the main character. They like to, uh, you know, have a satisfying conclusion. So, you know, no killing off your character at the end. Uh, no taking random detours into, uh, like, Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl does. And uh, it's one of those things that is good to hear, even though I don't like it. Because you'd like to think, well, but why, could, why can't we just, why can't people just like Shark Skin Man, right? Why, why, why does it have to be this type of movie? Like, why can't you just, you know, stretch out your arms a bit and, and reach and relax and, and just absorb a different kind of thing? But if we want to be realistic and we want to make money doing this, I'm definitely thinking along the lines of, like, kind of the one-for-me, one-for-you style thing. Yeah. Like, actors do this all the time, right? Like, a big blockbuster, and then they do an indie one. So, like, for me, Gods and Ronin Trash is, like, my Shark Skin Man, Peach Hip Girl, or Itchy the Killer, or, you know, the cult thing, that I, I, I'm doing it uh, 
not constantly thinking about it, but having it in the back of my mind that like, okay, this isn't for everybody. Everybody's not going to fuck with this. This is like, this is cult shit. But then also being like, okay, so what's the one that I can write for, for them? Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with like, I mean, Ishii's done more mainstream shit too. Like all of the directors that we talk about on this, whether it's Tsukamoto, Miike, Toyota, like they all do one that's just kind of like, yeah, like a straightforward action movie. Especially you know? Miike. Or straightforward He's comedy. the king of that Especially shit. Especially Miike. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do JoJo's yeah. Bizarre Adventure. I'm going to do uh, Ace Attorney. I'm going to do uh, Itchy the Killer. I'm going to do Visitor mm-hmm. Q. I'm going to do mm-hmm. whatever the fucking... Uh, like Power Rangers Supergirl pop group thing that he's done. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh damn, I burnt this toast. What? The, oh, because it was turned up. Who turned this shit up to five? Damn, five. Real. I don't even know why a toaster has a five setting. <laughs> has a five? I know this shit is black. That's when you and like. I'm getting into my. You're trying like, to see Jesus you know. in it. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah, I'm uh, and I'm on my like like mega dad like we gotta eat everything type tip you know so I'm like a wasted piece of bread is unacceptable to me nope, now, I'm you, not eating this shit. now you just gotta eat that crunchy shit I'm not doing that I can't do it there's some avocado but, uh, yeah it's like you're clearly not hungry enough uh, my ancestors are screaming as I toss this piece of bread in the trash um, <laughs> but uh, so anyway so I think that it's what I wish in my in my idealized version of things is the same way that the artist takes the one for me, one for you tip towards things. I wish audiences could do that as well, right? And just like distinguish between the types of movies that they want to watch at a given time. Like imagine somebody sitting down and being like, you know what? I want to turn my I want to go watch The Gray Man on Netflix. I just want to see like an action thriller. I know what's going to happen. <clears throat> and whether it's good or bad depends on the execution of the technical shit rather than any kind of inventiveness. But then sit down and watch a movie like Sharkskin Man and be like, and to just know what it is, like to be able to figure out what it's doing and find some kind of pleasure in that too. But <sighs> it's too much to ask, I guess. Yeah, my, my brother is one of those kind of people. He'll be like, um, mm. hey, you see the new Marvel movie? I'm like, no, but... I can't. He might be done with that shit too. I might be, but basically that, you know, whatever. You go like, you see that new Marvel movie, and then he'll be. I'll show him something, or, you know, he watches something from that we talk about on the show, and he goes, "Man, that was fucking amazing." Yeah. I'm like, I need that kind of brain. I need where I'm just like, yo, that new Transformers movie was pretty dope, and then yeah, and then be like, you know, you know, one of my favorite movies, Shark Skin Man. You gotta check this shit out. Yeah. Right, right. And the people who gravitate towards this show, and especially the ones that gravitate towards our Patreon, they, they're that type of person. It's just, it, it's literacy, right? It's artistic literacy and being able to understand what a given, what a given piece of art is trying to do and meeting it on its terms rather than having some sort of rigid idea in your head about what good and bad is. I was watching uh, the Hikiko Mori media videos about Deadly Premonition, which is this uh, PS2 game, I want to say. Mm-hmm. PS2. It's like a total, it's a rip of uh, Twin Peaks. Um, 
and the guy goes into depth about these. Uh, this guy, this game designer's name is Swery sixty five, and he's just he's kind of just like a eccentric fella, right? Um, and uh, this guy gets it, right? I'm watching his videos, and he's like, "All right, I know, like the controls aren't the best in this, and the graphics are a little fucked up, and blah blah blah." But here's what makes this thing charming, and here's how it succeeds in doing what it's what it's trying to do. And I just I find like I find immediate kinship with people like that. It's not like there's like a difference between like between that and people who seem to like like shitty movies because they're shitty. Bro, did you watch this 1980s splatter, you know, splatter yeah, movie? Yeah, like Street Trash or uh, different yeah. like trauma type movies or whatever. Trauma type movies, yeah, yeah, where it's like there's a big wink like I like it because it's bad. Okay. Right. So mean, bad it's good. Sure. Right, 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 right. But because that's, but you see how that's a problem because you're still using the same metric that the people who just like quote unquote well done good movies are using. You're just flipping it. But I don't know. I was about to go off on a rant on people like that, but I don't actually know anybody like that anymore. So. Yeah, I can't think of anybody. No. Uh, um, but the the <laughs> like the um the literary version of that is like people shitting on Crichton or something because of uh, prose or whatever it's like well, you know it's yeah. all basic like there's nothing impressive going on it's like meat on its terms Crichton is a conceptual guy so like there's not yeah. a lot of character development um, there's a lot of expositional dialogue the prose is very just straightforward here's what's happening like but try to come up with a Crichton concept like the dude's a fucking genius he came up with yeah. Jurassic Park right and Sphere which is this like Buddhist existentialist like deep dive exploration into weird pseudo alien pseudo spiritual technology like you can't come up with that shit and be like ah this guy's a hack because he doesn't use mm-hmm. fancy words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that I read in this book about because the guy starts off talking about how he used to be a craft dude, and it was hitting all my buttons. I'm like, God damn, this is exactly my trajectory too. Because you learn all these rules, most of which contradict each other. There's no real consensus about what rules are supposed to look like, but you become a craft guy and you start to notice quote unquote bad writing. And I think that has crippled my enjoyment of books for over a decade now, you know? Because, like, I started off on The Velvet, where my heroes are, and still are, Stephen Graham Jones, Will Christopher Bear, Craig Clevenger, stylists, right? People who, who know how to put a sentence together and who think about things like adverbs and, you know, floating limbs and shit like that. But... The issue is, is that if you get too hung up on that, I'm not even talking about from a, my own writing perspective and the ability to cultivate an, an audience, but from my own enjoyment levels. The amount of books I put down because they broke these stupid ass rules that I had in my head, it's really kind of a bummer. And just to be able to be like, you know what? If I, if I come across some well-crafted prose, if I'm reading one of the, all the Broken River guys have this down, right? So. 
I know if you were Eddie, David, Grant, if y'all come out with a book, I'm going to enjoy that prose. <clears throat> but other than that, like, I'm just, I'm just going to try to go back to just, like, enjoying books. You know what I mean? Like, I've been reading a lot of this, uh, this stuff that, like, the web novels and shit, which is so funny, dude. I'm going to go on a quick rant, but I think you'll like it. So I saw recently a person who had a, gotten a book deal with a small press, and, uh, you know, they posted their announcement in Publishers Marketplace, and they were like, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a small press, and they're like, so excited that my book is coming out. Uh, I just want to thank my agent. And I was like, your agent? <laughs> I was like, your agent? God, you would deal with... I mean, like, that's like, I want to thank my agent for going next door and asking my neighbor for a cup of sugar. Like, this, I've just been waiting for this my whole life. It's Your agent didn't do shit. But, like, so I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at this pomp and circumstance and just all this fake shit where, like, that's what the people want, right? Like, having an agent, getting a deal, all so that they can sell, you know, 150 copies of whatever and then get frustrated and not understand why nobody buys it. Meanwhile, I'm reading Beware of Chicken, which is a web novel about a guy who decides to become a farmer, but he's also really good at martial arts and magic and shit. He's got like, and he's got a crazy chicken. Um, you go on there, that web novel has 30,000 fans. Not readers, fans. It's been read like 3 million times. Yeah. The audiobook has 30,000 audible reviews, meaning it's been purchased probably 150,000 times. It was like the fucking... number three in uh, what, what, like humorous more... No, it, it was higher in the in the like subgenres. Yeah. It was like number three in some kind of whatever the fucking genre you call that is. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just... Dude, web novels and self-published books are eating major publishers' lunch and... Apparently, their idea is to just not talk about it. Just never mention it, right? Because they want to pretend like it's 2012 still, and they can still scoff and laugh at self-published people. But the self-published people are the ones who are... Dude, I'm talking six, sometimes seven figures. Colleen Hooper's a great example of this. She got snapped up, obviously, because she was so big. Uh, but, like, it's just regular people who, you know... I've read interviews with Colleen Hoover. They're like, "How did? what's the secret to your success? She's like, I don't fucking know. She's like, I'm a mom. Yeah. I stay home with my kids and I wrote romance novels and people fucked with them. Yeah, I don't and know. They never, um, <laughs> there's never this, you know, from the other side of people who will acknowledge it, but they want to stay in the prestige circle. They're like, yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know if I could bring myself to write one of those. It's like, you're right, you couldn't oh, because these people yeah, enjoy writing couldn't. it. Boom. They enjoy Boom. it. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't write it. I too couldn't bring money. myself to. Yeah. Like if you think I'm you're gonna write gonna an erotic, like, like a harem rape fantasy, you're not gonna sell any because you didn't. That shit doesn't turn you on. The people who get exactly. off on that shit, they're writing it and they're selling like fifty thousand copies. Yep. Yep. And the whole like I could never bring myself to write that. I'm not gonna front, bro. That was me. I have said those exact words, but I've come around on it since then. Because again, it's just, it's this fucking brainwashing of like, I just, I can't stoop to that level of writing that poorly. I'm like, ah. do people like it? Do people like to read it? 
then you know then chill right <laughs> it's it's gonna be okay i promise this is not me saying by the way that bad writing doesn't exist uh, it's not me suddenly having a change of heart and being like you know what shitty writing's actually good no 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 i'm not saying that at all because even these books like beware of chicken and colleen hoover like i wouldn't call them well crafted but they're also they're not bad right like they're not so bad that they've 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 seen an editor is what i'm trying to say right yeah you know um but like so i'm not saying that uh, bad writing is good no it's just more like not like writing that's not crafted well doesn't mean shit for the story or the characters or or what could possibly you know again how many surprises how many you know late nights getting lost inside of a novel have i denied myself because i i had this like arrogance about about what constituted good yeah people really you know? want ideas and they want they care yeah. about what's going on not really your yeah your fancy wordplay like that's just bonus and I'll do yeah. all of that. I'm throwing that kind of shit into Samurai Jesus. I'm experimenting with both, with, like, Samurai Jesus. That's, like, my playground. But, like, mm-hmm. anything else outside of that is going to be... I'm, I'm thinking about... I'm actually thinking about the reader. Like, how do I meet halfway? How do I turn the retard dial up just a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There are some great writers who I will forever be fans of and who are my friends... And I've told them, and there are multiple people who are like this, I've told them you would be absolutely huge if you just if you just got into like one car accident like Stephen King. Or if you fucking ran into a door frame a little bit too hard and jostled some shit around. If you dropped about ten IQ points, you'd be the best you'd be like one of the most famous writers in America right now. Because you've got everything. You understand craft. But more than that, you understand character. You understand you understand all the things people actually like. But my contention is that that shit, like good craft, it's not just that it's uh, irrelevant. It might work against you, for real. Because it's like it's like a building that you know that calls too much attention to itself, almost. You know what I mean? Like a little bit gaudy. And you want that balance of, of a beautiful, a beautifully built building that also isn't constantly, like, in your face. Right. You know? Yeah. You want to be able to just kind of ride through a few pages mm-hmm. without being like, yeah. damn, right. banger, damn, banger. It's like being exactly. just pummeled in the exactly. face over and over again. Yep. Yep, that's it. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right, is that if you are going to be a craft person... space it out a little bit just just recognize that people are going to be reading this all at a at one go (coughs) and if you're watching an action movie right you're watching john wick john wick is pretty damn near close to two straight hours of action but even john wick has downtime you know scenes where characters are just talking yeah where keanu is trying out (laughs) practicing his russian (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Just stuff that's like that's funny that gives people a break. You know, every every song, every song can't be the fucking 
know, that bridge that you love just over and over again. Although they do be doing that with remixes and shit, but in terms of crafting a song, you might need like 30 seconds of just like a good beat, a good simple beat, so you can get to that chorus. That's a banger. And I think that's the thing. I'm glad you said that because that's what I'm trying to articulate with some of these writers I know who are so fucking good. Like, sometimes you gotta just like, you just gotta chill. Jordan Harper does it well in his new book. Have you read Everybody Knows Yet? I haven't read Everybody Knows Yet. Uh-uh. It's really well balanced in that way. He's, he's got a great, because he's definitely like a craft guy and a stylist. But he's also got that screenwriting background. So he knows, he understands intuitively, I think, like when to when to chill out and just sort of relate plot and when to get kind of funky with it. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I can, I can be on, like, I can recognize the inverse of that when I'm doing, like, there's already been chapters of Samurai Jesus where I'm like, you're, a, you're up your own ass a little bit right here. And I'm like, in my head going, sure. yeah, that's what I'm, uh, yeah, that's what I want to do right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. It's fun to think about that with your, you know, with your catalog when you have 20 books or whatever. It's fun to think like, yeah, this is my intro book. This is the book where I meet people halfway. And if you dig it, if you fuck with it, you can eventually work your way towards Samurai Jesus Ronin Trash. <clears throat> and this is just us. Oh, no. It's, it's 100% it's like, for us. Yeah, full indulgence. Right? <laughs> full indulgence, yeah. Mindless self-indulgence to the max, you know? And it's like, hey, you know, everybody might not get there. But that kind of progression, I think, is, uh, I don't know, I think it's really good. So, uh, any final thoughts on Sharkskin Man to wrap up this free episode? Um, some of my favorite characters that I don't think we really touched on were uh, the dog sniffing, <laughs> uh, the, what, was he the nephew of the boss or was he the son of the boss? Yeah the nephew yeah. okay yeah. yeah he's the blonde you know he's crazy because he's blonde um yeah he's got the bleached blonde <laughs> hair and sunglasses and the all white drip and he's a he sniffs he has like the nose of a dog and can sniff people down <laughs> and when he first shows he's up following, he's following her period yeah that's what he's doing <laughs> literally <laughs> that's how he finds them mm-hmm. and uh yep they uh you know the other yakuza are like why is he here which is so funny you think he's going to be this one type of character who's just like oh but then you see his capabilities and well obviously this is why he's here but mm-hmm. and then the uh the baseball guy who is just this scrawny uh he wears this t-shirt that looks like a little kid's play t-shirt and it says what did mm-hmm. it say on it it said something in english Oh, I can't remember. I didn't pay any attention Did it to that. Say, I don't think it said evil. I think it, it, it was, just, but it was toy. I don't remember. It was like one word, random English word that he had on his T-shirt and his baggy jeans, and uh, he carries this baseball bat. And he's just this dumb-looking, like little kid playing dress-up-looking guy. And mm-hmm. during the big shootout near the end, he's ducking underneath the. Uh, the concierge counter at the hotel and all of a sudden he opens up his baseball bat to where it's like it becomes a sword and jumps up and Mm -hmm. like stabs the dude in the chest i was like oh my god that came out of 
the biggest sleeper character of the movie is just like mm-hmm. <laughs> the kid mm-hmm. in the background with the baseball bat. Yeah, that scene is great too because that's where Yamada dies and he's in the shootout or whatever. And it's that style that you talk about where the camera just like clicks off and then clicks back on. And he's, it, you hear the sound effects, right? So Yamada's standing there and like very robotically moving his arms around to shoot the Yakuza. And then it'll go, and then you see he's got like a knife in his neck. And then it'll go, he's got a knife in his chest. And then bam, bam, bam. Uh, so that's that kind of, uh, that's that's that thing that you were talking about. Yeah, I think that was my favorite like set piece uh, of the movie. And and we usually... You gotta chew and swallow that you first. Know, we usually don't give One the females their flowers on this show. But Shia Koenata was a... Um, she was a really great screen presence. Is she the main girl yeah. or the smoking? Yeah, one? no, she's the peach hip girl. Oh, the smoking chick was cool yeah. too. She's just kind of yeah. like this uh, sort of specter character who floats into the screen smoking a cigarette, and it's just like, you guys suck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah trying to see so her name was the main girl was say say yeah 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 i don't know how you're supposed to translate that really some weird she doesn't have any other no she's a singer apparently oh you know who i thought she was loki at first i thought she was the the chick who gets raped and itchy i thought that the one who gets raped and beat up i thought that was her (laughs) but i don't think that's true no, I don't think that's true. No, I don't think so. Same kind of makeup. But, uh, whenever they go and get done up and everything. Yeah, yeah. I also liked that uh, his name is Yoji Tanaka, but he's known as Boba in this movie. He's recognizable. We've seen him in some other movies before. Uh, he was in Sukiyaki Western Django. He was in what else? What's like the movie that we watched that he was in? I'm looking through his shit right now. Uh, I don't see. It. Oh, he was in Cutie Honey. Mm. Uh, he's in he's in Zebra Man. Uh, he's apparently he's in Kill Bill. He's one of the crazy idiot. He was in the, the, the Grudge. He's in a Ring movie. Anyway, he just he has like a recognizable face because it, he looks like he might be half white or something. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. Bubba? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. yeah. He's got the fringe. His whole thing is like cowboy style. He's got like a fringe on his arms and like his shirt is uh, like something you'd get in a New Mexico gas station. (laughs) Yeah, the movie just looks cool. Everybody should watch it. Um, There's a lot of cross-pollination with a... That's why it was surprising that the main chick wasn't in anything else really because there's mm-hmm. like so much low-key star power besides Asano who is enormous uh, right there's just these little like characters that you recognize from different shit and I don't know if we mm-hmm. did we bring up that uh the direct relation to Tarantino that Ishii has where he uh with, collaborated with production IG for that animated sequence of Kill Bill. Oh, right, 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 right. We brought that up in the Red Line episode. Okay. But I had forgotten about it. 
Well, yeah. So it's funny because like that means that, that Tarantino obviously saw this and was like, "That was fucking cool." Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, badass. Oh, I, that. I like what you do. I love too. Whenever that's the attitude to have with artists too, uh, sort of continuing our our thoughts on stealing and ideas and all this kind of shit is like seeing somebody doing your shit and going hey that's cool i liked that you want to work together mm-hmm. and, instead mm-hmm. of this guy is, this guy thinks he can be me I'm like okay I mean, <laughs> what do you what do you get out of that kind of attitude <laughs> yeah uh, dude there's just no point in having an ego about any of this shit there is no it doesn't get you anything and uh i've been i've been listening to like Taoist shit too and this one tip that i heard i've been testing it out and it seems to work pretty well so the idea is uh people suffer from anxiety depression all this kind of shit like bad things happen good things happen life right life happens sorry i'm turning the water off if that if that was too loud <laughs> sorry about that uh i just had to wash my hands real quick um but if you look at yourself from a third person perspective like you envision yourself as if you're not yourself and then you're able to sort of analyze what's going on in your life as though you're thinking about somebody else it's a fucking it's a key bro it's key because then when you're looking at yourself third person who's the one who's doing the looking it's like oh that's the real you that's the eternal you who's watching all this shit not the you who's you know bogged down in having a body and feelings and shit like and you move in and out obviously because the default mode is to be you know be the one who is experiencing all of this shit but that third person perspective to tie it back into what we're talking about it's like it also starts to kind of make like that ego go away because if you are just another person you're observing like all these other people that eternal you isn't isn't ego based right does that make sense i don't know I'm, yeah i'm baby baby Taoist, baby Taoist here so i might be talking out of my ass but <clears throat> but that's what it feels like to me at least like i still have i'm gonna revise this whole thing about like having an ego i don't have an ego i have an appreciation for my talents that's what I have. I appreciate what I'm good at. You gotta suppress uh, the ego, not like um, yeah, not yeah. get rid of it. It's just gotta sneak into the subconscious and stay there. Mm-hmm. It's gotta exactly. You've gotta shut out all the doors and windows and leave one fucking crawl space exit open, and that crawl space exit is for creating art, right? It's like you're not getting out through all this. We're not we're not letting you out so that you can get praise or you know people said something nice to you or people validated you the only time you get to come out and play is when we're tapping that keyboard boom that's it all right so i guess we'll just we're gonna do the q and a oh wait 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 we gotta do a pitch we gotta do a pitch um so this has been the free episode we are going to do a Q&A session for Agitator Z this time. Our patrons dropped some banger questions. Uh, we're going to be dropping some sauce over there. $5 a month, patreon.com forward slash agitator. What do we have now? Like 40 bonus content pieces? Yeah. Uh, 
Patreon whenever I signed in. Like it said something like fit forty eight fifty something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Piece mm -hmm. of posts up there. So there's a lot. Uh, yeah, go over there for Got a bonus. Discord. Discord, which is man, I never even understood Discord until we started doing it, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is the thing. Like, this is where more of the attention ought to go. Yeah. Yeah, we got talented people over there. Uh, pretty much all of our patrons have some kind of strange, uh, not strange talent, but like strangely good at what they do. And I'm not saying that to be shady to any other people's communities or anything, right? But like, they're just solid. You know, I, I asked, I put up like a, a mock-up, like an AI mock-up of some cover art that I wanted to have done. And I was like, can anybody do this? And I get hit up and it's like, Number one, they're all really good artists. And, like, you know, Kurt's in there from Soapbox. Kurt's a comic book. Of course he can. He's a right. comic book artist. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, you know, all the shade to everybody. Our, our uh, fan base could beat up your fan base. I, um, I think so, dude. Whenever we... It's, like, it's a, re it's a really strong showing over there. Yeah, people started... We used to, like, always... Um, kind of bitch about not knowing you know we're we're the best kept secret how are our numbers so high but we don't know who's talking about us or whatever and uh because mm -hmm. because we don't have a bunch of catty cathy's we have a bunch of real artists listening to the show we throw up the discord yeah. and they're like hey i made a movie yeah, I, I write comic yeah. books <laughs> hey I, and it's good yeah i'm like watching i'm like damn this is it's good like, damn fuck okay so this is our people now i feel less like a show with fans and more like a a growing artist community yeah yeah i hate the term community because it's overused by like tech bros but it is what it is i mean it is a community and uh hopefully over time as we talk to each other more i want to you know eddie said it best and he was like, cause like, I know so many people from the Velvet and the Velvet was that online community message board that sprung up around Stephen Graham Jones and the other two guys, right? But I'm still friends with those fools 16, 17 years later, friends. And that's how we met. Yeah. It was on those message boards. Well, that's how and so, you and I met was through Lit Reactor shit, which sprung out of yeah. the Velvet. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So. When you make cool shit like this, we've got a section on there for collaboration. So if you're trying to make a comic book, there's plenty of artists out there. If you are an artist looking for a writer, there's plenty of those there too. And uh, people are already linking up and, and getting shit done. So head on over, $5 a month. Uh, it's it's worth it. Yeah, we're better than LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah, we're better. The than, agitator yeah. We have a LinkedIn. better hit rate so far. Yeah, we have a better hit rate than LinkedIn so far. Mike Podsmith still hasn't fucking responded to that message. Why? Why you got a LinkedIn profile? You don't use it, Mike. You haven't even seen my message, unless he just deleted it because he saw, you know, oh, here's another bitch ass white boy trying to contact me. I'm like, yes, I am a bitch ass white boy. Please come on the show. I want to talk about cyberpunk. Come on, come on. Somebody get a hold of Mike Podsmith. And tell him that this guy's crying on his podcast about you not coming on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you over on Agitator Z. Peace.